Matthew chapter 5, um, starting in verse 21. And Jesus is, is going to begin to raise the bar. And he begins with this topic of murder. He says, you've heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way. Or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Until you've paid the last penny. Hmm. Before we get started with that passage, I want to do a quick review of what we talked about last week. I want to remind you of what Jesus is, is about to do in our text today, okay? And so, so we talked about really... Two standards uh, for, for, if you want to call it morality, that's fine. And, and so we began with the standard of the scribes and the Pharisees. And again, they, they had lowered the standard of God's law. They, they, they had made it average. And so really, they did that by doing three things. Number one, they, they made the law manageable. And you'll see that there in your sermon notes there on that green sheet of paper. They made the law manageable. And, and they did that by making the demands less demanding and the permissions more permissible. And that's so evident in our text this morning. See, it's so evident in our text this morning because what, what they're teaching is, is literally that, that do not kill, the sixth commandment, only applied to the physical act of murder with intent. And guys, with that as the bar, they could step over it easily and think of themselves as righteous, as good. Yeehaw, high five, we did it. We kept that one. We didn't break the sixth command. All right? They, they, they lowered the intent. Okay, the second thing that they would do is they would regard oral tradition as equal authority to Scripture. That, that, that whatever teachers taught had the same weight as what the Bible taught, which we can't do. Remember we said last week that's the number one sign of a cult. It should be flashing. Cult, cult, cult. You, you can't, not, nothing is equal to Scripture. Scripture stands alone. All right? Scripture stands alone. And, and so uh, that's why Jesus says to them, you have heard that it was said long ago. You notice he doesn't say you read that it was said. He doesn't say you studied the scripture in context. He says you have heard what was said, but I tell you. Okay? He's speaking to that fact that they're relying on oral tradition. And he's about to set them right. And then and then lastly, you remember they built a fence around the Torah. And and what that means is that they made the, the law of God something that didn't require heart obedience, right? And I kind of explained that whole illustration that, that you have a fence in your front yard and you tell your kids, listen, we live on a busy street. This fence is going to protect you. If you stay within this fence, you are completely safe from all those cars that are, that are flying by. You're compl- you, can, you have absolute freedom within this fence. That's the law of God. That's how we're meant to live, right? But, but then these scribes and these Pharisees, they would, they would go to the fence and they would look across the street and they would think, wow, I'm really tempted to go across the street. And so they said, you know what we need? We need a fence that doesn't even allow you to see the street anymore. 
And so they stepped in and they built a higher fence, a holier fence. And, and suddenly they could never see the street anymore. And so it didn't really require heart obedience anymore. They were just doing this thing. And, 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 and of course, they lost some of the freedoms that God intended them to have. And, and then there were probably a group of guys that came in after that and said, wait a second, I can still hear the cars. And so they took another step back and they built a higher fence. And, and this one had a roof and they soundproofed it. So they're living in a cube now and they have zero freedom. Right. And, 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 and hear me, the problem with that kind of life that, that kind of legalism is that it, 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 it's not worship because it doesn't require anything of your heart. The Bible says from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. God doesn't want our ritual. He doesn't want our, our blind obedience. He wants our heartfelt obedience. He wants us to listen to him because he's God and because we love him and because we, we want to. That's what I want out of my children. I think that's what you want out of yours. We don't want them just to because I said so. I got called out on that once this week, by the way. I said, because I said so. My wife said, you said you weren't going to say that anymore. And I had to stop and I said, come here. This is why I want you to go clean your room. (laughs) And I did. And I stopped and explained it. We were better for it. We were better for it. So guys, that's what they were doing. Now, here's what Jesus was doing, okay? This is what Jesus is about to do. There we go. All right. Christ's standard was above average. Christ's standard, he's taking the law and making it mean what it originally meant. So, so number one, he focused on the spirit of the law rather than the letter of the law. Okay, that's what he's going to do in this passage. He's going to say, do you know what God intended when he said you shouldn't kill? Do you know the heart behind it? He's going to tell us the spirit of the law. Number two, Jesus focused on the internal matters rather than the external matters. He, he's, he, he's going to aim at their heart. He's going to say, this isn't about something that you can do without your heart. He's going to aim right at their heart. He's going to aim right at our heart, you'll see in a minute. Number three, Jesus focused on the important matters of the law rather than the minor points of the law. You, you're going to notice here in a second, he's not going to tell you that you have to tithe a tenth of everything that you grow in your garden. He's going to talk about murder. Next week, he's going to talk about adultery, right? We're, we're going to, he's going to go over divorce. He's going to talk about the important things that can have, have the ability to affect everything else that you are, your existence. Okay, number four, Jesus always focused on manifesting character, not merely keeping commands. Why? Because we are meant to be the people of God. We are meant to be the ambassadors of Christ. Ambassadors of Christ must have the character of Christ. We've got to be transformed into His likeness, right? So His his focus was always that. It was always on building character, on changing people from the inside out so that they indeed would be the light of the world that He said that they could be. And so Jesus is, is raising the bar and, and we're going to begin to see all that fleshed out here as we talk about murder this morning. And I've just got four things for you. And, and maybe they seem a little oversimplified, but they're really, really important. So here they are. Number one this morning, I want you to understand that what Jesus teaches us is this, that murder is not merely an external act. Murder is not merely an external act. Verse 21 and 22, he says, you have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. He's saying, you've heard it said that, that murder is an external act. Verse 22, but he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Anger is an internal feeling, isn't it? So Jesus is saying, listen, this thing, this murder, this, this not killing somebody, it's not just about the exterior 
You see, they saw the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, as merely an external act, meaning as long as they didn't follow through with the physical act of murder itself, they were free and clear from this command. I want you to know, guys, that many of us fall into that same boat. You know, I, I, I have an opportunity to speak with a lot of people that, that aren't necessarily believers. And, and when I have those conversations with them, you know, I'll ask them, well, hey, do you believe in heaven? Well, yeah, I believe in heaven. Well, that's awesome. That's great. Do you think you're going to go there someday? Well, yeah, yeah, I, I really do. Or maybe. Well, why? Why, 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 why? why are you not sure? Why do you think you're going to go there? Because I'm, I'm a good person, Right. And, and it's crazy when, when people tell you they're a good person and then they try to explain what they mean by saying a good person. It always seems to me like somewhere in that conversation they say, well, I haven't killed anybody. I'm like, wow, great for you. I'm glad I'm not standing here with a mass murderer that's about to end my life. OK, Woo-hoo! but that's the bar. It's like I, I don't I, I pay my taxes. I don't hit my wife and I haven't killed anybody. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, I mean, throw your coats down and let that person walk on top of those. That's the standard. That, that, that's, that's how low the standard has been. And, and people really do that. But I want you to know, as Christians, guys, we can do the same thing. And, and don't get me wrong. See, as Christians, we know that we're sinners. We understand that, right? We understand that we're sinners and that we need Jesus. The, the problem is, we, we just think that other people need him more than us. You follow me, Christians? Right? See, we, we understand that we need Jesus. We just think that other people need him more than us. We've convinced ourselves, well, well listen, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. It's the other people that need him more than me. And, and so, so kind of what we do is we'll pray something like this. Well, I'm not a murderer, but God, I know that those people that are really need you. Father, please transform them and change them. Brother, the day that you forget that you need transformation, you're lost. The day that you forget that in your heart you're a murderer, you're gone. And, and, and so as Christians, we have that same tendency to, to kind of externalize the law and, and, and to look at it from that perspective. We interpret and define the Bible in such a way that we can easily keep it. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees did. And the problem with that is that Jesus said murder, the sixth commandment, is not just an external act. It's not about whether or not you've actually killed anyone. He says it's a much, much deeper issue than that. It's a much deeper issue than that. Number two, we learn through this passage that evil actions are birthed from evil thoughts. Evil actions are birthed from evil thoughts. Again, verse 21 and 22, Jesus says, You have heard it said to the people long ago, Do not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. He's, he's talking about the, the, the act of murder, right? That external act. But then he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother is subject to judgment. Again, he's talking about thoughts. He's saying evidently this evil act is tied into the thoughts that you have in your mind and, and in your heart. It, it reminds me of what he teaches in Matthew chapter 15. Let's turn there. Matthew 15 I'm going to uh, just read verse 19 to you. Matthew 15, verse 19. Give you just a moment to turn. Matthew 15, verse 19. It says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean. But eating with unwashed hands does not make him 
unclean. Now, notice the very first thing on that list, folks. That's a pretty rough list, right? I, 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 mean, I mean, my list, it says murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. It's a pretty rough list. But did you see the very first thing on that tough list? Jesus says evil thoughts. Lumped in with, with uh, the same list as murder and adultery and slander, Jesus places evil thoughts. Now, why would he do that? He does that because every evil action, every evil action is birthed from an evil thought. I want you to write that down. Every evil action is birthed from an evil thought. Listen to how, how James explains it. I've got this slide for you. James says it this way. He says, for God cannot tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desires, his own evil thoughts, by his own evil uh, uh, desires within, he is dragged away and enticed. Goes on. He says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Gives birth to sin. That's why it can't just be about the physical act. That's why it can't just be about external evil actions are birthed from evil thoughts. You see it? It's a big deal. Number three, Jesus teaches us here that anger and contempt are ugly symptoms of a murderous spirit. Anger and contempt are ugly symptoms of a murderous spirit. If you go to the doctor and all he does is treat your symptoms, right? You go to the doctor and you have a cough and he just gives you cough medicine. If you go to the doctor and, and, and you know, you got some gangrene going on in the finger and he just puts on a little stuff on it. If, if they don't give you any antibiotic to take care of what's going on inside, you're not going to be cured, right? not going to be cured. You're just putting a band-aid on something. It's going to eventually get worse. Well, I want you to know that Jesus is telling us here that anger and contempt are just symptoms of a greater problem. They're symptoms of a greater problem that's coming from deep within us. And that's what he's teaching us here about, about this, this commandment of, of you shouldn't kill. He's trying to open our minds or our hearts to what it really means. And so he says anger and contempt are ugly symptoms of a murderous spirit. Again, verse 22 of, of Matthew 5. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of hell. Now that word, Raka, it means empty-minded. means stupid. means moron. Okay? It's talking about someone's intellectual capacity, basically. Anytime that, that you think that somebody's stupid is what he's saying, okay? The, the term you fool, it, it, it's a term that's more about character. When you, when you call somebody a fool in this sense, in the Greek, you were saying that they're, they're, they're a bad person, they're a scoundrel, right? Uh, I'm trying to think of a word that a pirate might use. I don't know why. You can figure it out. Scallywag, there you go. See, scallywag, it was back there somewhere. All right. So you're talking about you're vile, Okay. And, and, and guys, here's the problem with both of these things. And this is what Jesus is addressing. Both of those things show that we're judging others. Both of those statements show that we're judging others. That's why Jesus brings them up. He's talking about murder. And he says, listen, anytime that you're angry, anytime that you think that somebody is stupid, anytime that you think somebody is vile, you're judging others. 
Now, I want to be honest with you. This was kind of the toughest part of my study this week. And I spent a lot of time just praying and, and, and saying, God, why, why is it that this is standing out? Why is it that this is such a big deal? And, and I'm just going to explain to you what I feel like he's revealed to me. And, and, and you can do with it what you want to. But this is the understanding I've come to. You see, the very moment that I think that someone is stupid. The, the very moment that I think that someone isn't a good person. The moment that I show contempt for another human being. That very moment that I show contempt. What I'm saying, literally, is that I, I think I'm better. The, the, the moment that, that I, I, I think somebody else is stupid, or I think somebody else is a bad person, that very moment that I show contempt for them, I'm saying that I'm better. And the moment that I believe that I am truly better than someone else, the very moment I believe that I am better than someone else, the door is open for me to get rid of that person. It is. Because I'm better. You follow me? And whether that's cutting them out of my life or it's doing something more, more drastic than that. That's what happens. I knew a couple not long ago and went through a divorce. And, uh, and we didn't really know what was going on. We kind of marginally knew the couple and would see them out and about from time to time. And, and, and eventually I got to the heart of it. And, uh, and this is what the wife said. The wife said, I just got to a point that I felt like I could do better. See, she got, she got to a point that she looked at her husband and she viewed him as a lesser person than she was. And the moment that he was a lesser person than she was, she mentally freed herself up to leave and to go on from that marriage, believing that she could find something better. Whether it's divorce or it's the physical act of murder, those things are birthed at the point that we start judging others. That we start thinking that they are stupid or they're, 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 they're evil. That they're not as good as we are. And Christians, I'm speaking to you because it's plaguing the church today. It's plaguing the church today. Anger and contempt are ugly symptoms of a murderous spirit. Number four. Lastly, I'll just share with you this morning that understanding God's heart on this issue requires immediate action. Understanding God's heart on this issue requires immediate action. When you truly understand what the Scripture says about murder, and, and, and you see yourself for who you are, it, it requires immediate action. And this is how Jesus explains that, starting in verse 23 he says, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave the gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now, remember, he's speaking to a Jewish audience, by the way, and, and typically they would travel large distances to come and make their offering. If you can imagine traveling large distances and doing that on foot uh, or, or maybe on a donkey, which I think it might be better on foot uh, and Right, Jack? Where you at? Better on foot, right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I saw you slip in, okay? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I want to go on foot, not on mule. I'm just saying. Okay, so, so, so if you can imagine traveling great distances, you're making your offering, and there, once you get there, you, you can imagine this, this innocent victim, this innocent animal is tied up and ready to be sacrificed. The priest is getting ready to, to slit the little animal's throat, right? And I know that's ugly, but that's how it had to be. 
Remember, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And, and, and so you imagine that you're there, and there in that moment, Jesus says, if you're right there and it's about to happen, and suddenly you realize in your heart that, that your brother holds something against you, you've got to say to the priest, wait! And you have to travel all the way back home and attempt to make it right, and then come back. He's saying it's that important. He gives another example, and he says, imagine that you're about to go to court and you're walking with your brother. He says, you better try to figure it out on the road, because when you get there, it could be worse. What is, what is Jesus saying? What's the point of all of that? The point of these two illustrations is this. This is a serious sin. And it needs to be dealt with quickly. Now, why? Because sin and hurt, sin and hurt that's left unaddressed, always festers. You might want to write that down. Sin and hurt, when left unaddressed, always festers. It's got to be dealt with right away. I don't know if you've ever gotten a splinter and decided that it was just going to work its way out. You ever been there? Got a nice piece of wood from some kind of old barn fence or something and thorn and you just said, it's going to be okay. It's just going to work its way out. Three days later, there's something there that you're like, I think I need to go to the doctor. (laughs) What happened? That little tiny wound, it just seemed like a little tiny prick of the skin. It got infected and it festered. Now you're running a slight fever. (laughs) Suddenly, your whole body doesn't feel good from a tiny little sliver of wood. That's what sin does. That's what it does to relationships. That's why it's got to be dealt with immediately. That's what Jesus teaches us. So, so understanding that it needs to be dealt with immediately, what does that demand of us? Well, just a few things and we're done, okay? Here's your application this week. Number one, number one, it, it, it means, and you're going to hear this every week for the next five weeks. Number one, it means that you need to raise the bar in your own life. If this is the the true meaning, and that's what Jesus is saying, He's saying this is the true depth of what God meant when He said you should not kill. This is the true depth. Remember, Jesus is raising the bar. He's saying this is what Christianity is about. This is what my Father's world is about. This is what the kingdom of God is about. The first thing that we have to do is accept that and raise the bar. It means that we can't step over this easily anymore. Okay, I'm sorry... I know that that was the one of the Ten Commands that you felt like you could keep on a regular basis, okay? Well, at least I haven't killed anybody, right? I wasn't so good about lying today, Lord. I kind of I stunk it up in that whole uh, don't look at a woman in lust thing category. I, I'm not doing so hot on, on, on the idol thing, right? But it was always you can always go back to thou shalt not kill in the King James Version and say, God, I kept that one. Not anymore. Jesus has fulfilled the law. He showed us the true meaning behind it. We've got to raise the bar. So that's number one. Okay, number two. Number two. Knowing that, understanding that, we need to make sure that we're taking every thought captive. Write down this scripture, 2 Corinthians 10.5. You can can look it up later. I'm going to read it to you. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Paul writes, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought, we take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. That sounds great, but how do you do that? How do you do that? That's that's a whole other sermon within a sermon. So here you go. 
No extra charge. Ready? Number one, if you're going to take every thought captive, you've got to be in the Bible. You've got to be in the Bible. You've got to know the, the thoughts of God. You, you have to understand it. What, what, what is God about, right? What, whatever is true and honest and, and pure and just and lovely and excellent and, and praiseworthy. Think about these things. So, so you've got to be thinking about things from God's perspective. That's not a natural thing for you because you're a sinner like me. I, I hope like me. Am I the only sinner in the house this morning? Okay, I just wanted to make sure I may be. All right. So, so if if, if we're gonna if we're gonna see our sin clearly, we've got we've got to be in the Bible. And that's the the only way we're gonna be able to take thoughts captive if we know the thoughts of God, and and then we can differentiate the thoughts of God from the thoughts of the enemy. Okay. Number two, cast down every thought that is not of God. Cast every down, cast down every thought that is not of God. That phrase we demolish in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it literally means we cast down, we cast out. And, and you say, Pastor, what does that look like? Well, I, I'll tell you, I'm not telling you, I'm not Pentecostal necessarily, uh, maybe a little Baptocostal, uh, but one of the things that I do on a regular basis is, is on a regular basis, man, when the enemy is trying to tell me something that I'm not, when the enemy is telling me that, that, that I'm just a failure, that I, I, I'm a fake, that I'm a fraud, that I'm a phony, when the enemy is trying to lie to me, then I stop in my tracks and say out loud, say, Pastor, why do you say it out loud? Now, this is where people think I'm a little crazy in the community, because I'll just be out loud and I'll be like, get thee behind me, Satan. In the name of Jesus. You say, why do you say that out loud? Because the enemy is not like God. The enemy cannot be everywhere. The enemy cannot be inside of my mind and my hearts and my thoughts. He does not have the power that God possesses. And so I speak it out loud so that he can understand that in Jesus' name, I'm telling him to hush and to silence and to get away. Alright? I cast down those thoughts. And, and, and literally just, just, Satan... In Jesus Christ's holy name, you have no dominion over me here. I cast out that thought in Jesus Christ's name. You just call it out. You say it out. Say, what, Pastor? That people are going to look at me. Maybe. So be it. So be it. Number three. Number three. <clears throat> this is not G.I. Joe. Remember, G.I.G.O. It'd be a J if it was G.I. Joe. That would have been awesome, but I couldn't make that work. All right? Remember G-I-G-O, what is that? Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. It's the way that it works. Friends, you can't eat trash. Never mind, that was going to go bad. <laughs> I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> I was going to say you can't eat trash and get treasure. How about that? We'll just leave it there. Garbage in, garbage out. It's the way that it works. If you take in garbage, you're, you're not suddenly going to spit out a bunch of glorious stuff. You're not meant to do that. Okay, we, we can't we can't do that. So when we take in garbage, garbage is going to be a part of our life. It's going to come out. That, that's a natural consequence. And so if you're going to take every thought captive, it's going to help you to make sure that you're just you're taking in goodness, not garbage. OK, think about that. Remember that, you know, I, I think we're all guilty. We live in a TV dominated society. And, and folks, I'm not telling you that there's a whole lot wrong with TV. And if you watch a TV show every once in a while and you enjoy it, that's fine. But you you. Sometimes I think we get caught up in something and we don't even realize the trash that we're taking in. We don't even realize how it's attacking the Bible and it's attacking our values and it's attacking our faith and we're just kind of being quote-unquote entertained and then suddenly we realize that our whole attitude towards the Word of God has changed. That our whole attitude towards something that God is telling us has changed. Garbage in, garbage out. 
So just think about that. Let that be your standard. Let that be your God, okay? Uh, Lastly, lastly, third thing, application-wise. I want you to be angry at sin, but not at the sinner. Now, this is different. See, we always say, love the sinner, hate the sin. No, 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 I'm going to change it up on you a little bit. Be angry at sin, but don't be angry at the sinner. And you think about Jesus for a second. Jesus, even as he is nailed to the cross, Jesus Christ, even as he is breathing his his last physical breath, right? Jesus, as he's hanging there, and they are still mocking him and hurling insults at him and saying things like, oh, if you're the son of God, why don't you get down off that cross, big boy? And Jesus, who has all power and authority and could have ended their lives in a moment by just speaking a word, Jesus instead hung there and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Jesus hated sin. He was angry at sin, but He was never angry at the sinner. And so when you see Him rebuke the scribes and the Pharisees, and you see His righteous anger on display, you need to understand that that righteous anger is not towards the individuals. The righteous anger is towards their lack of understanding. The the righteous anger is because of their sin. He's angry at the sin, not at the sinner. We need to do the same thing. And I would encourage you to think about that in your life. I don't know about you, but I'm nailed by this one. I can be so judgmental. I can look at people, especially people that post things on the internet or people in the news, and I'm be like, that person's an idiot. I can write them off. And the moment that I think that they're an idiot, I think that I'm better. And the moment that I think that I'm better, then I can put them out of my life. Friends, that's murder. That's what it is. That's what Jesus tells us. And so instead, when I see that, When I feel that in my heart, I need to get angry at the sin, but I need to pray for the person that is sinning. Does that make sense? That's what the Word of God teaches us about murder. 